1: On this episode of the Family Business Voice, we talk to Abdurrahman al-Bassam. Abdurrahman is the CEO of Tilal Real Estate Development Company in Saudi Arabia. He's also the co-founder and CEO of Own Enterprises, and a member of his family business, Al-Bassam and Sons. Abdurrahman talks to us about the unique entrepreneurial journey he's been on and how he is contributing to his family's legacy in his own unique way. We talk about the challenges of bringing change in a family business environment and how a culture based on consistency can take a company toward its full potential. Enjoy this episode with Abdurrahman. Welcome, Abdurrahman, to Thoroughweb Magazine and the Family Business Voice. We're so happy to have you here today.
0: I'm very happy to be here and thank you very much for giving me this opportunity.
1: Do you remember a moment in your childhood where you realized? The extent of your family business legacy, or where you realized that you were part of something multi generational, or you know, this big and this important.
0: Since I was a, at very young age, we would join the older people, uh, our our family, our our parents, our my uncles right, into family gatherings and majlis and whatnot. So. In that majlis, I would hear so much about referencing the, the family name into, business, into history, uh, the history of merchant, uh, merchants and trade in, in, the, in the region. So it's not a defined moment and it's not gradual. It's something I think that happened extremely early on in my life.
1: In continuing this, and when did the question start as to how you would be contributing to it in the future?
0: I remember the moment where this came into my awareness. My father came and he brought in a couple of things, a check with my name on it and like a certificate of stock, right? And he brought those two things to us, one for me and one for my uh, brother. And he said, that's my, your grandfather. That's a gift from your grandfather, money to take care of and stucks in your name. So that was, that was when, when that thing actually came to my realization. But the moment I realized I was, or I had responsibility, I think it was at the end, final years of my university, I asked my father to go in the afternoon to the office and, and uh, just see what's going on. And I had interest, genuine interest into looking into business. And and uh, perhaps the details might come later, but I don't want to take so much lo- long time. But its it was that moment when I said, I think I have a role in this. I, I think I have something to do in here. There is so much to do that, and there is so much potent- untapped potential that I can be taken care of.
1: What do you think they wanted the effect to be in giving you a sense of ownership so early on? And do you think it, it had the desired outcome or do you feel like it backfired? Maybe <laughs> I'm giving you too much initiative and empower you too much. Like what do you think was the intention? And do you think it's transformed into what they expected it to?
0: The intention was very evident in my father's face when he, when he arrived at home and gave this to us. It was serious. It was a bit sense of pride. He was smiling, but but whatever he was saying is serious. And I remember this thing literally as I'm talking to you. That memory was not present until this question. And uh, I think the main thing was the sense of you're a grown-up. You're uh, someone who can now take responsibility. Your uh, sense of discipline. Sense of, uh, well, know where you're coming from. Or know your, what's your background. It wasn't literal. It wasn't literal, but the seriousness in my father's face, while he's, I'm not saying he wasn't kind, he was smiling, but there was this aura, I guess, the the, the feeling that uh, this is a serious thing. And and, and back then, you don't trade stocks online. You actually, you have an agent who does that at the stock firm and there's a literal certificate that you hold in your hand. So it was a serious thing and and it was interesting. I think that was, was supposed to be conveyed to us.
1: Run us through how you realized that you wanted to take an entrepreneurial approach to adding value to the family legacy, as opposed to just taking on a role in operations. How did you come to conclude that you wanted to have your own entrepreneurial endeavor?
0: Well, I've always had in mind... And I've always even discussed this with my father that someday I'm going to come to the office and um, uh, don't think that this Saudi Aramco thing is going to take for long. I mean, but I always had in mind that I'm going to stay for a few years in Aramco, learn the basics, professionalism, how to conduct myself in business and so on, but then leave and go and join the family business. What happened is I did that much earlier than I anticipated. And that was with the encouragement of my wife. So while I was in Aramco, I was going in the afternoon to to my family office, and was looking at this. And I asked my father, asked my father to give me access to all the information. Let me let me see what's going on in here. So I looked at, and I started this early on discussion with my father that there's there's so much potential. We need to take the next step. If we go ahead and continue doing what we're used to doing, everything is is, is, is governed well, everything is, is, is systematic, but we're not tapping into the potential. And he allowed me, and what I asked him, in fact, to prepare a report, some sort of a report. Let me tell you what's going on, what is today, and what's the potential. So I, I did the report, and, and my father actually was happy with the report, and he showed it with, to the family, but nothing much happened there. So after a year and a half, basically the turning point was The moment I realized that there is something that I needed or or something that needs to be done, but I can't do it, that's the moment when I said, Okay, I asked my father, I will need your support, but I will do it on, on my own.
1: So, how did you approach that conversation? Like, what was that like?
0: The first difficult discussion that I had with my father is when I decided I will leave Aramco. That's when my father said, no, don't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But
0: I, yeah. I, I really uh, put my foot down, and I, and I, and I, and I made that decision. And once this decision was made, he supported me. And after a year of working for my father, I decided to start my own. Again, it was like, no, build a career. And I, I, I put my foot down. And once the decision was made, my father would support it, but. That was the real discussion that I, that, I, that I really had.
1: Tell us about what that taught you though about like your own, your own person and everything. Was it clear to you then suddenly that, well, this is what I was meant to do all along? Actually, it's very clear to me. I was always meant to venture out to myself or did you have a lot of doubt when you started out with, uh, with your own business?
0: Oh, I had a lot of doubt, no question about this. I think the, the most person who encouraged me to just do it and keeps encouraging me just doing it, is my wife. Nora is is, is a risk taker. Nora, yani, yani she's, all been, she's always been a risk. I, I don't know if she was raised as such, their business, the, the Tanimi group is is always a very risk-taking business, and they ventured in so many uh, businesses, so perhaps that seeped into her somehow, but she's a risk taker.
1: So the interesting part about what you started to do is both you started investments, but also operational businesses. So being at an operational level for businesses, so totally different from what you were taught. Tell us about the psychology behind that when you and Noura decided to do it that way.
0: I think it started off with an idea of looking at the tools and resources that I have today. And one of which is the legacy, the family name, the, you know, this um, inherited, with goodwill, right? And there is no question about the value of goodwill. So with these two seeds, I would say, one from my family business, and the other is from the Tamimi group uh, family business. And these two seeds, they came from the family business. So we are a legacy. It's like, imagine a tree, An apple tree, and there is this apple that fell beside that tree, and all of a sudden, there is another small sibling. So, we're not starting over. We're not, we did not start from scratch. We came here into existence as our own with a legacy, and that comes, that's a privilege. The idea started off as using the goodwill, but ended up as being a privilege that constitutes responsibility.
1: Once you started MAP Consulting and you had Patisse and everything, so you became a full-time entrepreneur, shall we say. How did your perception of, or that pressure on failure or not failure, like, you know, the name over the door, did it change? Did you have conscious discussions with Noura and with your team about, risks that we can take and like you know the culture that you wanted maybe even for the family business but that you were now able to implement like what was your thinking around that time did you do that consciously or did it just happen
0: no i think i think it was there consciously because that was literally our competitive edge to have the the resources of a legacy company but the entrepreneurial culture or or let's say the flexibility, the leanness of an entrepreneur. And after a decade, we we celebrated our 10th anniversary on, on, on 2019. And today we are a family business of our own. But we are still linked to these families in the sense that they are our legacy and they will always be our legacy.
1: At what moment did the family businesses come and check it out and sort of like be like, okay, what you guys are doing is working. Can we do the same at our end? Like, you know, come back or like we want to acquire you. I mean, has that conversation happened or like is it ongoing or what happened? What kind of reactions did you get? And did you feel a little bit vindicated when it happened? Like, you know, when they came to you and said, oh, you're actually doing a good job. Like, where are you in that sort of like uh, in that rapport?
0: The funny thing is 2020 was the most difficult year on our business. But in the same time, it was the most defining year. And uh, the breakthrough of own came in 2020. We're still suffering from the outcomes of, of the COVID pandemic and the 2020 issues. But we're emerging much better than, than even before, pre-2020. My, my father started to invest with us. My uh, the Tilal happened from the Tanini side. So, uh, and a couple of other opportunities that might, might, might be too early to, to discuss today, but it's a breakthrough for us.
1: What do you think was the ingredient or were there different factors to you that sort of like contributed to that agility being poss- made possible for you when others were frozen in inertia and didn't know what the next step should
0: be? I think two things that are prominent. A few things are contributing to this, but, but two are prominent. One is consistency. And that is, I think, was my, my personal responsibility in own as, as the CEO to keep that consistency in terms of our strategy, in terms of how we do things, in terms of the opportunities that we will will seek. And the problem with consistency is that it does never, it never gives you early on gratification, instant gratification, it doesn't do
1: that.
0: (laughs) So if you're consistent, that this is the direction I wanna move in, all of a sudden the opportunities drop Literally, they drop. But you know what? They are very high quality opportunities and they are aligned. They're not anymore millions of opportunities. They're probably three or four of them. But you know what? They are in the same direction. And they're going to move me forward. And this is that is something that is extremely, extremely challenging if, for me personally and the leadership of the company to keep and be aware of and make sure that we're, we're consistent. Because the opportunities are extremely distracting. They are, and, and the problem is when you deal with different opportunities, you get this instant gratification of, oh my God, I'm doing big stuff. You know, I'm I'm dealing with big stuff. I'm t- talking to this person and talking to this person and whatnot. So you feel this instant gratification so that I'm, that I'm a big shot, but you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. If you go and be consistent, all of a sudden these million opportunities becomes three or four, and the instant gratification is not there, because you're not dealing with opportunity today. You might be dealing with a year ahead, or you're dealing with one opportunity. So you're waiting for actual results. You know what I mean? So that is difficult. So this is one thing: consistency. And the other thing is culture that is led and lived and embedded in the business. I have Nora leading the, the hurricane sector, the hospitality, restaurants, and catering. And I have my brother Aziz leading the professional enterprises. And these are really hardworking people. I was amazed by, by, by family members who own the business actually integral in the day-to-day operations and not just in meetings or boards or whatnot. No, actually they're leading day-to-day business and on the ground. And that made, that was very prominent during the 2020 close down and the crisis that we had, that we mo- we moved into a crisis mode. And all of a sudden, leaders who are not members of the family and leaders who are members of the family were professional and working together onto this. Onto this. That gave resilience and gave assurance to my team.
1: So consistency and culture, both things very hard to acquire, difficult things to do, never the easy way, right? But there is gratification. in I know that you get enormous gratification in the, the path that you've chosen. And so does Noura. Tell us what has been sort of like the overwhelming positives for you when you look back at like, you know, having chosen this way forward. What other sources of inspiration do you have? I think next gens would love to know.
0: Well, we've been privileged by very supportive family. And I think that is a deal breaker uh, during these tough times. I'm not talking about financial support. I'm talking about emotional support, being there, allowing us time to be absent. Because these times required us to be absent from my parents, from from Nora's parents and whatnot. That is extreme support that you don't feel even guilt that you will be away that's how supportive my family were, both families, in fact. But don't get me wrong, there were difficult times. There were doubts, and we were ups and downs. We faced a couple of crises, not just the, the latest of which was 2020, but there was a crisis early on around 2016, 2017, when the transformation and the country as a whole stressed the businesses. And it was a, it was a necessary move for the the direction of the economy, but it was a very tough one for the businesses. And once we emerged from that, literally on 2020, that's when the crisis of the COVID happened. So it was another major, major hit. So it wasn't easy. There were times of doubt, no question about it, where we thought of closing businesses, making our business much smaller and so on. But it's the support of the family And the assurance is the assurance that, yes, there is no financial support. We're not gonna give you any financial support. That was very consistent throughout. But if you really fell off the cliff, there will be a protective net there. Uh, You can't see it. It's not promised, but you feel it. You feel, and that is an advantage for Owen that they, We moved forward, we took drastic decisions, knowing that these decisions will put us at major risk, but having the subconscious thought that our families will be there to support us in the worst case scenario, kept us going. So that's another thing. So it is financial support in one way. You
1: described your appointment to as CEO of Tilal, and you're going to tell us a little bit more about what Tilal is for our listeners, of course. But you describe it as one of the first times where a job description came out from the family side, and you said, "I'm the right person for this job. I want this job." Tell us about how how that came about, and how that sort of like has changed your uh, your dynamic, and and your and how this is taking your career again into a, a different uh, direction.
0: Well, as you said, it was the first time that I literally said, I'm for that job. That's my job. I will do that. My father-in-law Sabtariq, called me to a meeting to advise him, uh, where there was uh, uh, the board of, of Tilal, and it was not really formed yet. It wasn't formed yet. It was just the owners, potential owners of, of Tilal, the family of al Qabbani, the family of Al-Uthman, and Al-Tamini. And they were discussing the formation of Tiran you know, and, and that we are at a point that we don't want to start something without a, a CEO and we want to do this. And, 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 and they, they throw out some ideas. And I, I was listening there. I was advising my, 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 uh, my father-in-law. And when we drove back in the car, he was thinking of, we need to find the CEO for, for this company. And... I was sitting in the back seat. He was sitting in the front seat beside the driver. And it was like at that moment, I was burning inside to, to say, that's my job. I've, I've had a, I have a whole strategy within own to build a development company. And I did it. We we really did it the past few months. After that decision that was made, we built a whole strategy of what, how to set up and operate and operate and real estate development. So I was ready. But that was a much bigger thing. So our thing in Own was small. That moment, in the car, driving back, I told him, "I'm Tariq, hire me. I am for this job. And he, he just thought about it and said, that's not a bad idea, but you need to convince uh, Abdelmehsan, Abdelmehsan uh, al-Othman. And he's the al-Othman uh, CEO. And he, he arranged a call with Abdelmehsan the very next day. And I went there, and I I got the job. And uh, it wasn't just a, a job. Actually, the idea was uh, uh, own will come in as as a as a, as an owner. I'm, uh, I, I'm not a, I'm not an uh, uh, an employee per se. I am someone who's going to come, who's going to own a share and uh, run the business. And we've been we've been establishing this, this company for a year. We've been lucky enough to, to hire the best team and, and uh, prominent projects that we're working on at, as we speak. So this is how, how Tiral actually emerged.
1: You took this opportunity which you knew was going to change things a lot like it was going to mean a totally different allocation of your time and resources, etc. How do you reconcile making such drastic changes with like you know between this is my role and this is my identity?
0: I had a very well-established team within Oon that gave me a lot of free time. And even though I'm an executive chairman, today I'm still an executive. That's my role in in, in Oon. I'm not a CEO, but I'm executive chairman. So basically, I am a CEO, but not a full-time CEO uh, in in essence. I have leaders for each department. They have their teams, and we have a very well-established team, and, and that was planned. That wasn't something that came out of luck or fate. That was really uh, planned of, and hard work throughout the years to bring in people, make them do mistakes, mistakes that costed us a lot of money. But you know what? When you give this sort of autonomy, that's when you create these these leaders and they bloom. So that was the, uh, say, uh, the part. So I haven't really, it was a big change for me, but for Owen, it felt like nothing. How do you leave
1: the ego at the door, Rahman? I think that's the big question that I have for you. How do you leave it at the door? And do you think there's a link between the ability of doing that and getting these opportunities?
0: Ego is, is, is part of your, I would say, human beingness. So it goes small and it grows big, but it, you cannot leave that at the door. It, it's, it's always there as you said it's a trap that you could easily go to but i think i think it's it's uh, it's discipline in, in the sense that i've been trained discipline i mean uh, so i was raised to respect discipline by my father my father is a very disciplined person and he raised us with discipline and not in the bad sense in a very positive sense to respect time to respect uh, others to to not to forget that that the other people's time is as important as yours and and, and these things and and also breaking that ego into and, and reforming it because I mean, for example part of the ego the or the, the negative effect of an ego of an ego is is the thing that well I am born into al-bassan family and if i do a mistake, I'll make the family name down. So better not to do anything, you know. It's better not to do anything rather than do something and put yourself into trouble and bring your name down, you know. And that affected us. And at the early stage, at the early times, as I said, I was not a speaker at all. I was very uncomfortable dealing with people. So I'll tell you a funny story. I don't know how it's related to this, but it's a very nice story. I hated speaking publicly. I hated, I don't know if it's if I was an introvert or something. I don't know, but I wasn't comfortable in, for example, at school to stand up in the podium and say something, you know? But my teachers picked on me to speak publicly and stand in front of this class and say something. And we have which is the day in the morning, the morning when you do the training at the court, then a couple of students would be joined, chosen randomly, and they would stand in this podium and say something to the crowd. You're talking about hundreds of students. And uh, teachers used to pick on me, Adrahman, you go and I, I don't want to do that. And I found out, and this is where my father comes in. I found out that my father used to make sure that my teachers, my school, would do this to me. If my son is not going into the podium, you pick on him and let him stand in the podium. And as I grew up, I found out that even though my father was extremely busy man, that we, we didn't see him and during work days we only see him during lunch and in the weekend that's it throughout my childhood that's it or on vacations he was extremely extremely involved into our our schools and our raising even in the background he never missed a parents gathering or asking the teachers details of what's going on with my son in the school and he would never interfere directly but he will make sure that the teachers know that this son, this Adrahman, is, and in fact, my brothers and sisters, all, but I'm talking about my myself, that there is somebody looking after him. And you need to watch it, even for teachers. You need to make sure that, that this is a private school and you're the, the money's worth. You know what I mean? I'm not kidding. He had your back, basically. Like, absolutely. That's something that I came to realize. When I, when I grew up, of course. But that's part of the ego thing as well, is that broke something. I did not know that this is planned. I thought this was random. But why are you choosing me all the time? You know what I mean? So that is something. That's one example of, of many examples to fill up your boots as a, an al-bassam, you know, and carry your wear forward. But in the same time, It's, there's responsibility for being an MSL. You need to be humble. You need to be, I I can't carry on with this because that's ego in its own, but it's embedded. It's something that we were raised with. It's conscious. It's always in, in my conscious.
1: What's your advice to all these next gens out there when it comes to, call it filling your boots, call it finding your calling, call it living up to your potential, whatever you want to call it, but you know what I mean. It's basically reconciling your personal identity with that of the family enterprise what's your
0: advice i think the best advice to the next gen is not to join the family business immediately never do that and don't start your own business because that's another uh, question on its own you can but but it's a very tough decision to make but definitely do something other than the family business for a number of years Know what you're good at before you join. You and
1: Nora both have been catalysts for actually almost quite significant family businesses, almost like collaborating because Aoun brought together both your family businesses in a way to join. Like, you know, the legacies were kind of joined a little bit in this little branch that you created. And now Telal, again, is actually like, you know, almost like a family consortium, like between like, you know, three of the most significant families of the of the, of the the kingdom. Do you think sort of like these collaborative approaches, these kinds of partnerships hold a big role in the future of the economy? And also for you personally and for Noura, where are you guys heading in the next few decades? What's the, when's the next workshop to decide on that, basically? I'd say like these two questions are my last two questions.
0: I think that it is now a realization that that everyone is coming coming to, even at the government level, that the family businesses cannot be run entirely the traditional way. Governance need to kick in. They need to be run in a a corporate, government, legal structure that perhaps takes the advantage of being a family business, but, but also being governed well you know? And your second question was, I think, about what are we looking for in the future? There will be this real estate development, an integral part of the business in terms of the professional service, but in terms of the hospitality, restaurants, and catering, we're going to expand into this into this area and perhaps one day have a hotel. So this is the um, direction, let's say, of the we, where we want to be. We want to be a hospitality business that is providing these different hospitality services and making it into a real brand.
1: Abdurrahman, an inspiring conversation uh, for all our next gents to listen to. Thank you so much for sharing your story on Tarawa magazine.
0: Ahlan wa sahlan. Really, really, really appreciate this time.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.